everyone. Welcome to a new and special episode of Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Today we are talking about season two, episode six of both shows, Who Am I, which originally aired on the 3rd of November 2007 as our Legion episode, and Lost in Translation, which originally aired on the 20th of July 2023 is our Strange New Worlds episode. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing all right, Bob. Gotta say, uh, Chameleon Nepo has a pretty big part in today's story. Yeah, yeah. I'm beginning to uh, remember maybe why I didn't remember Chameleon Nepo sucking in season two, because this is a pretty good episode, I thought. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Very good episode. And I'm just surprised. Like, I I feel bad that we call him Chameleon Nepo because he plays such an integral role in this season. (laughs) Also, (laughs) I'm doing a lot of like... uh, you know, side reading of older Legion comics and stuff that you suggested, and he's in yeah, all of them. Yeah. So he, he's he's kind of a mainstay. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more visible Legionnaires in the first in the first timeline, especially, and really in all pretty much all timelines. I think. Yeah, I I don't know. I do like keeping him gender neutral with a with something that's not boy. And uh, I mean, I will admit the fact that he is uh, R.J. Brand's son is my least favorite thing about him. So you know, I do like to kind of keep poking that. <laughs> Well, on that note, Bob, let's talk about the uh, plot of Who Am I? Yeah, walk us through that, man. So Chameleon Nepo infiltrates Imperix's forces as Persuader after mad scientist Brainiac 5 overwrites his personality. So, Matt, first things first, how did you feel about having the three most extreme Legionnaires, which is to say Superboy X, Timberwolf and Lightning Lad with his big mechanical arm all in one shot? It was almost just too much for me, Bob. It was amazing. (laughs) And I will say this, Bob, that we had both Superboy X and the other Superboy. Yeah, yeah. They're both in the same episode. Last week, you told me that was not the common thing, but here they are. Well. I think as you were, I think you said this last week, it's sort of a thing where it's like, oh, if you're having a regular episode, you probably only need one, but you might have one where you write for both. But we quickly find out, folks, that one of the Superboys is not really super. Matt, I do have another very important question on the score. Should we just make Lightning Lad's mechanical arm a member of the Legion in its own right? It should be, Bob, because honest to God, like that thing, the way he like cocks it. And at certain scenes, you notice that? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with him? He's just like, you know, I guess I would do that too, though, if I had an arm gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, and speaking of uh, the original Superboy, I just think it's really funny that basically him negging Chameleon Nepo is like the major subplot of season two so far. Uh, yeah, Superboy needs something to do. Why not neg Chameleon Nepo? And it's to tell Chameleon Nepo that he's not good enough. Yeah, since so you suck, Chameleon Nepo. But really, you don't, because this is a pretty good episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn you. It's like, you either suck or you don't. Pick one or the other. He's so like a chameleon in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can he can suck or he could be awesome, depending on the circumstances. <laughs> so it sounds like, uh, would it be fair to say that Chameleon Nepo's commitment to espionage finally gets him some credit from us? Yeah, I mean, when you just flat out volunteer to become a bad guy and not just look like the bad guy, but legit become the bad guy. Yeah, have you, Mad Scientist Brainiac 5 overwrite your personality. It's yeah, just, you're, it's you're taking it to a new level of uh, commitment. Um, so is Brainiac 5's hover chair new? Have we seen that before? No, we haven't seen his stupid chair before. Look, he's so dumb. What is that? He's like Professor X and Morbius and everything in like one. 
Morbius. Oh, okay. I guess I sort of see what you're saying. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, Chief from the Doom Patrol vibes too. Did I say Maybe like Mobius, not Morbius. Mobius. Oh, oh, the new guy. Yeah, yeah. Mo- yeah. Morbius is no, a no, vampire. No, no, Mobius no, is a no. time traveler in a chair. I'm like, why is Bob no, so no, confused? No, you're still, you're still wrong. You're still wrong. His name is Metron, and the chair is the Mobius chair. There, there's my confusion. My bad. I'm <laughs> Makes me so happy. Uh, I, I was really hoping that uh, original Superboy would slug Brady in this episode, though. Yeah, also, would he take his chair and like throw it in space? Well, Matt, that that would have, uh, you know, unfortunate connotations. <laughs> really did enjoy Chameleon Nepo's line. Uh, it's, I'm not some stupid shape shifting teenager. I'm Persuader. Persuader gets his powers from his atomic axe thing, right? I don't really think he has powers. I just think the axe is special, I think. Yeah. Okay. Because he has to have yeah. it in order to not age or something. I, I don't know. I try to. Uh, I don't know a lot about him. I think I've just, from what I've gathered from all the episodes I've seen with him in it, it's like he has to have the axe to do his no, stick. I think it's just a rare and important weapon. I don't think it's like a... It's not a cursed weapon. Does it give him some special powers? No, I think he's just like good at fighting and he has the axe. Was he good at persuading? No, no. I think it's, uh, I don't know. I think that's just, you know, one of those kind of unfortunate names. that's not as badass as, as it originally was thought. Yeah, it sounds like he should be like, he sounds like, like the badass on the debate team. Like, <laughs> <laughs> send out the persuader. <laughs> <laughs> not a dude with a battle axe apparently there are a couple modern day persuaders which seems really lame but the, as far as i know the original doesn't it, no powers he just he just has the axe and you know maybe he's been like slightly physically enhanced according to wikipedia but i don't even think you would have to say that well damn i was under the impression the axe was some special like you're thinking of the eye. The eye of Ekron is something. Well, yeah, that's the, little, the eye is the same way. I mean, they all have their own little, like, their weapons are useful in other ways. Yeah, but the eye, they've actually done plots of it, like, kind of taking over people's mind, things like that. Not so much the case with the axe. Although there there is a sense that, yeah, there have been a couple Emerald Empresses, and, you know, there could be a lot of the other Fatal Five could probably be pretty, pretty easily have somebody else take over, like the Persuader. Good for Chameleon. He's much braver than I am. <laughs> so we already mentioned this, Matt, but were you uh, surprised by the revelation that Ron Carr was original Superboy? I was, I was like, whoa, who the fuck's Ron Carr? What a stupid name. But you didn't remember him from uh, the Legion of Supervillain episodes? <laughs> Barely. I did, did, That guy was there? Yeah, he's the guy who flattens, but here they treat him more as a shapeshifter. Okay, see, so that's where I'm confused because they treat him completely yeah. differently. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, right, yeah, well. but he, he was in he was in the Lightspeed Vanguard with Lightning Lord, and then he was in the with you know the rest of the Legion of Supervillains at the beginning of the season. But yeah, mm-hmm. I described him, and as far as I could remember, the show just treated him as a guy who can flatten his body. But oh. yeah, here here he's a shapeshifter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, his name is the stupidest name I've seen in the show, but hard to take anything anyone seriously named Ron Carr. He sounds like a newscaster. Like, Does the hyphen make it uh, more or less stupid, do you think? Uh, more stupid. Ant- anti-hyphen, we've established. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little bit of a lost opportunity. I mean, obviously, these uh, these episodes want to be episodic, but it's like, you know, if you're going to like 
impersonate original Superboy. You could have kept the impersonation running for a couple episodes. I think I think that would have been interesting. Oh yeah, it would have been really cool. But I mean, then you have to have like a multi-part episode that yeah, might destroy yeah. the, the, the seven-year-olds that are trying to watch this. <laughs> Not enough seven-year-olds since it didn't make it out of the second season. Sadly. <laughs> All right, Matt. So who is your uh, non-Superboy Legionnaire of the week? It goes to Brainiac Five and his stupid chair, Bob. How are you going to complain about the stupid chair for what felt like two hours and then you're going to give it uh, non-Superboy Legionnaire of the Week? That doesn't make much sense, man. That's because it gave me something to complain about. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> fair. fair. No, that's, that's very logical. All right. So, Matt, uh, philosophical question here. Can uh, I say Ron Carr? in this answer since I thought it was kind of cool that he was impersonating Superboy, but, or does that violate the spirit of the category? So it's fine, Bob, because Ron Carr was reprogrammed, you know, to be a good guy by the end of this. At least slightly, at least slightly, slightly. slightly. All right. Shall we jump ahead to uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Matt? Yes, Bob, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And in the episode Lost in Translation, the Enterprise and Farragut, with soon-to-be First Officer Jim Kirk, meet at a behind-schedule nebulae deuterium mining station near Gorn Space so that Number One can impose her managerial fervor on the station. But Uhura and the station saboteur are hallucinating. Yes, yes, Matt. So are you sad that uh, I didn't make you rewatch the Bill Murray and ScarJo uh, movie of the same name? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they would have absolutely nothing to do with this episode. But yeah, like I remember <laughs> hating that film when I watched it in my early 20s. Like I need to watch it again as like an actual adult. Damn. <laughs> Matt's like uh, the drinking age too low. Raise it. Raise it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 I'm very fond of it, man. Uh, I was very fond of it when it came out. I think it came out when we when we were 18. Yeah. 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 I think I I think I got it on DVD and when I was 19, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of the movie. Um, I, a funny story. I had a friend I worked in a kitchen with in Athens and we, uh, you know, after we'd get off work at like two, two thirty, three AM, we'd normally drink for a couple hours and then go to sleep. And we normally just wind up at my apartment because it was closer to, uh, than his to, uh, the work. And it became tradition that he would put on Lost in Translation on my living room and go to sleep to it. And he'd seen the movie before and really liked it, but it actually turned out he never he did, he never owned a copy because he was just like, oh, well, I'll just watch it when I go over to Bob's because I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to overhype it, but it's a it's a sweet movie. I think you might like it more now, although it's also it's a very early 2000s movie in its way. Uh, maybe I'll give it a shot again one day. Yeah, it's worth it's worth your time. Uh, so <laughs> I will say uh, I did enjoy. We have more Pike speech banter here. So uh, number one was afraid she missed the speech, and then Pike has to confess. Well, he already started it without her, but Ahura fell asleep. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, anytime I hear about someone giving a speech, my mind always goes to Sharon. My man loves a speech. <laughs> it's true. Yes, he does. There is kind of like a similar Sheridan and Pike kind of energy with both being very enthusiastic, right? Yeah, they have some of the same mannerisms. Yeah, yeah. Although like all the energy Sheridan puts into New Age religion and conspiracy theories, Pike just puts into cooking, it seems. Exactly. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also are. are, So I'm going to get this wrong, but I still I need you to settle. How do we say her name? Helia. 
Pelia. Okay. That doesn't seem right, but I'll go with it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Pelia is, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the teacher realism she's bringing to the series. You know, she tells Ahura that uh, Himmer was one of her best students. And then she's like, I don't know why I said that. Actually, he was just okay. But look what he made of himself. Pelia, she <laughs> steals the show like this episode. She's, she's really just hilarious. Like I look forward to her being in a scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I I still don't fully know like what to fully make of like the performance, but they are at least doing a good job of like writing her in amusing contrast scenes where whether that's like Nuni and Singh in the past or using Pelia against Uhura and number one in this episode. Both of those were handled very well. Yeah, they, she's just an interesting character. I just hope they I'm wondering, though, if we're going to have this continued thing where each season we get a new engineer. I tend to think we will, especially since they they seem to use her in pretty limited ways, which I don't know if that's a constraint of age or budget or just the writer or just what the writers want to do with the character. It, you know, it could be any of those, but they seem to use her in pretty limited ways, although effective ways this season, but limited ways. Well, at least we got to see Hemmer again because, you know, we, we didn't think we'd ever see him, but we saw him in this episode. So that was cool. It did make me wonder because there was talk when they killed him off in season one, there was talk of him coming back as a different character. And I wonder, is that still going to happen or was this just, you know, was that just a kind of covert way of hinting at this? Because, like, technically he is a different character, but he's also not, you know, I don't know. I hope he comes back, though, in like more of a speaking role. Yeah, yeah, no, because it was it was a great it was a really good actor, great performance. I, one of the things that softened the blow of them killing him or off last season, which, you know, did a little bit feel like we've said that New Trek likes to do this of introduce elaborate uh, aliens and then kill them off in order to simplify the makeup. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of felt like a case of that, which was a little unfortunate. So uh, we also get the uh, the very uh, m- notable introduction to, uh, you know, actual real timeline for real Jim Kirk. Uh, and I did enjoy his banter and kind of tension with uh, his brother, Sam. Uh, you know, Sam offers him a tour. Jim Kirk only wants one that ends in a bar. Yeah, I will say the same thing I said about Ethan uh, Peck Spock. The more I see him as the character, the more I start associating him with Kirk. I mean, I'm still seeing when I think of James Kirk, I still think of William Shatner in my brain, like immediately pops up. But this guy, like, I, I, I kind of like this. And I could see them if they wanted to at some point shifting to another show. I had that thought, too, while we were watching this. Is, is this set? Or, and it will, you know, like especially with like how this ends, which you know we can go ahead and spoil if you have like the Kirk, Spock, Uhura together, right? It's like, man, this really does feel like they're just going to spin out an original series remake from it. Which, in theory, I should hate that idea, but the performances are so good, I kind of don't. That's how I am. I'm like, I really dig the performances by all of these characters. I mean, they're just. I mean, they're really fleshing out Uhura. I mean, she didn't have, I mean, she had some part in the original series, but here we're getting, you know, she's getting whole episodes dedicated to her at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really fleshing out her backstory. And then, you know, all these other new characters are great, but you know that eventually they're going to have to move on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that is like, again, I I don't really like the idea that I'm talking about an original series, like reimagining, but something you could 
say in favor of it is that the only characters who really got explored in the original series were Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And so there's a lot you could do with Sulu and Chekhov and Rand. And I mean, certainly we've seen what they've done, like you say, with Uhura and Chapel already on this show. Right. There's a lot of material they can work with. It kind of gives people a starting point if they want to say like they watch the original series, but they're not really watching the original series. They're watching... Yeah. New Trek. Like, I don't even know, I don't even know what you would call it at this point. Cause it's not really, when I yeah. think New Trek, I think of Discovery. I don't think yeah. of the, the Kelvin verse. Some people have taken to calling it like uh, Paramount Plus Trek, I think. Per- Paramount Plus Trek. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, this has kind of already been implicit in our conversation. But so, like I said, Matt, this is our first actual meeting with Paul Wesley as Jim Kirk in the right timeline, except for the calm message at the end of, you know, the earlier episode. And, uh, you know, I've been calling him Vegan Kirk <laughs> um, because I, you know, some haters put up that name on Twitter and I thought it was funny. I not, I don't mean, I, you know, I, I'm trying to re, what, what would the term be? Recapture it with affection for Paul Wesley. Cause I actually think he's doing very interesting work in these episodes, but in this episode, can we still call him vegan Kirk? He just seems way too high to t- testosterone in this episode. Yeah. I wouldn't call him vegan Kirk. He's a, uh, I couldn't tell if he was like hitting on you at the beginning or not for real or, well, that was that was what was great about it, because Uhura thinks he is and like our, um, you know, like our expectations of Kirk as a character have us think he is. But like, no, he actually like sees that she needs help and he's trying to help her. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you get like a real like sob story about his dad and how he and his brother are always like in competition. I mean, he just shares all this information. You're like, oh, OK, <laughs> like it's. Well, and I also I, I don't know what you thought of like the Sam and Jim relationship, but I thought it was kind of was good that it was like they do play Jim as kind of a prick. Like, you know, at the end, Sam comes and like apologizes and like now would be a good time for like, you know, Jim to apologize or even to just like compliment the fact that Sam's, you know, nerdy science stuff came in handy and he yeah. just refuses to. So it's like he's. They do they do a really interesting job of like portraying him as like this very capable, charismatic, attractive character, but he's also kind of a prick. Oh yeah. And he's just trying to one up his brother, which is why the last thing he says in the episode is, you know, well, at least I'm on the uh, flagship of the Federation. Uh, yeah. right? I'm like like so now Kirk that's his goal is to like become the captain of said ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um I guess to keep going a little bit. Um RIP to the saboteur Saul Ramon. He actually got a pretty cool death, I have to say. Yeah, best death in a Star Trek show in Saul Ramon. Certainly it was better than anything in Picard season three, he said with great bitterness. <laughs> so we have the great subplot as Oh, and I tell you that back, Bob. I think I think okay. Hold up, though. You got to remember the changeling froze the same way. So, yeah, but this was better. <laughs> yeah. OK, I will say that was another cool death, <laughs> but it was kind yeah, of the we, same. So we understood what was going on and why Saul Ramon was doing what he was doing that led to his death. We never understood what was going on with the changelings in Picard season three, Matt. They were waiting for Cisco to show up. <laughs> That's what they were doing. Yeah. That's what you and the changelings have in common, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Just waiting for Cisco. <laughs> um, so you mentioned this side plot already in your uh, plot summary, but it's a uh, 
you know, we have a really amusing uh, uh, contest of what we could call uh, maybe Pelia's instinct versus what Pike describes as number one's managerial fervor. Yeah, this the whole side plot in this episode is really well written. And uh, the, at the end of this part where like number one does get under Pelia's skin with her rank comment. Do you think she actually got under her skin, though? She did because she could sell in her. You can see it in her face. Uh, maybe I need to rewatch it because I, I get the impression that Pelia is not somebody who particularly cares about rank. Like, how could you if you'd been alive that long? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I think there was something there. I don't know. I, I you could, Her whole demeanor changed. And then she goes off about her business. Like I, I took it as like maybe it. I took it as like such a such a cheap and stupid shot that it kind of like lowered Pelia's estimation of number one in a certain way. <laughs> well, you and I saw it in very different ways, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> well, only, only one of us is interested in climbing the greasy pole, Matt. <laughs> Although at least it sounds like I'm uh, I'm getting too down on number one for being an uh, an apple polisher and for being shallow and only concerned with ambition and rank. Uh, her berating Pelia was was oh, it was so choice. Uh, you have crumbs on your uniform. When did you even eat? Yeah. You're like a space hippie. <laughs> space hippie. <laughs> and then she acts like she's actually offended by that. Like she's never been called a space hippie before. Yeah. Bullshit. She's been called a space hippie at some point. Well, Matt, she was alive in the 60s. She knows how bad the hippies actually were and how bad yeah. they actually smelled. <laughs> <laughs> so were you surprised that they went for an extra dimensional alien here rather than a Gorn scheme, given that we were so near Gorn space and, you know, they teased a Gorn war back in the season two premiere? I was kind of initially expecting a Gorn scheme. They're really pushing these extra dimensional aliens this season. Oh, yeah, because we had the energy beings last episode. Right. Did we have did, who I who I also thought were going to be ancient Romulans initially. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just keep racking up L's in the prediction. Yeah, you market. just keep wanting those old villains, Bob. You just keep wanting to go back to them. <laughs> you, don't want there, this, you don't want this new trick. <laughs> <laughs> have there been other uh, extra dimensional beings this uh, this season? I don't think so. Speaking of uh, deep cut references, there's a reference to an Admiral Nagora in this episode. So he's the, at least in, he may not be yet, but in Star Trek, the motion picture, he's the commander in chief of Starfleet who gets Kirk uh, back on the Enterprise. I think he um, is cut from the, he was supposed to be an actor in the motion picture, but I don't think they filmed any scenes with him, but the character is still mentioned, I believe. And he shows up in the motion picture novelization. And uh, he also has been in some other novels. Most notably for me, there's a really cool novel series called Vanguard. That's like a, it's a kind of serialized kind of interstellar politics story set around the time of the original series. And Nagora is an important character there. It's very interesting stuff. OK. Yeah, I don't think I've read Vanguard. It's I think it's uh, eight novels or so. It's really worth your time. It's. I haven't read a lot of the, you know, the 21st century Star Trek novels, but that's that 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 series I read on someone's recommendation. I really liked it. It's it's basically like set on a space station, kind of DS9 style. And then there's like, I think, three ships that are assigned to the station. And so novels kind of shift focus about are they focusing on the station? Are they focusing on a ship? 
And it's kind of doing DS9 style politics for the original series, if that makes sense. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did you appreciate, uh, we kind of already mentioned this, but did you appreciate Jim Kirk and Spock bonding over being too high T for Sam Kirk? Did all these first kind of feel cringe to you at some point, though, Bob? They easily could have, but they I, they didn't. They kind of worked for me. Like, I enjoyed Kirk ins- insulting Spock's chess game to Uhura. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the kind of continuation of uh, crapping on Sam Kirk. It's been a it's been a fun bit, I think. I was really afraid it was going to get like super cheesy, but it never did. So, yeah, they did a yeah. good job with that. Like, I, I felt like I was waiting for the, somebody to make some stupid ass comment that like refers back to the original series or something. And I was going to just <laughs> come across the screen. So uh, I I do have one question to pose to you. So, you know, traditionally, the kind of big triangle of Star Trek, right, is Kirk, Spock and McCoy. But in the J.J. movies, for reasons of inclusiveness, which I I get and I don't want to diss, they really push the focus on being like Kirk, Spock, Uhura, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems like. They're going to keep going with the Kirk, Spock, Uhura thing, it, you know, even if they ever do this original series spinoff remake we're talking about. Like that seems to be the way they're going. So I don't know. Just in general, do you, do you prefer the Kirk, Spock, McCoy or the Kirk, Spock, Uhura triangle? I mean, I, I didn't like the Kirk, Spock, Uhura triangle in the JJ movies, but I'm willing to give it another shot, like with some competent writers. I think it could be fine. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I don't know. I think conceptually, I just I I do think the Kirk, Spock, McCoy triangle is nice because it's like Spock is logic. McCoy is compassion and Kirk is the synthesis, you know. Right. And I don't think there's a neat sort of like personality dyad among Kirk, Spock, Ahura. So that would be my I appreciate I appreciate the greater inclusivity there, but I just think it. I don't know. I just don't think it's as thematically rich as Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Yeah, until we meet the McCoy of this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be kind of funny since arguably, and I mean, I think um, Zoe Saldana is a is a good actress, and I don't want to diss her. Uh, I'm I'm fine dissing uh, the uh, Chris Pine and uh, the guy who played Spock in the movies, though. But it is kind of funny that I feel like um, what's his face who played McCoy in the JJ movies is like the only like genius performance in those movies. Oh, he is. Yeah. Be, like, I really yeah. thought DeForest Kelly would have been aged down and was in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like, but I've said before, he was doing his best DeForest Kelly impersonation. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's he totally why was. it was so good. <laughs> but do you remember the name of that actor I'm blanking on? I know he's somewhere. He's on uh, The Boys. I can't think of his name, though. Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Well, so, wouldn't it be funny if in the hypothetical original series remake, like, Kirk, Spock, Uhura were great, but McCoy was terrible. <laughs> like they just got it. They got a terrible guy to play him. It didn't work at all. I just think that would be kind of just historically funny. Yeah, it would be pretty funny. <laughs> It'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, hell, hell, man, if he's doing, if Carl Urban's doing um, the boys, maybe they can convince him to come over to this hypothetical project after the boys wraps or while the boys is oh, going. Yeah. I could say, I mean, I, I think it'd be good. I really think I think you're right. I think he would be like the best. He would be your your best shot at McCoy, like if that's what you're going for. And McCoy is supposed to be older than the, the other characters, too. So. Yeah, so it fits. Yeah. 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 All right, Matt. Who was your uh, character of the week? Going to give it to Pelia, Bob. 
Nice, nice. I, I definitely understand and respect that. I, I think I'm going to give it to Himmer. It's really nice to see him again, even though, like you said, it's not really a speaking role, which kind of sucks, except for on the recording. Episode of the week, Bob, goes to Lost in Translation. What? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah obviously. Obviously. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, this has been Star Trek Strange New Worlds versus Legion of Superheroes. We are Uncanny Treks. Thanks for listening. Everybody. Thanks for listening.